And uh, welcome to the Thursday email show. It's on Thursdays now because we're on our summer schedule. I'm humble. There's Fred and this program. Did you want to say something? Oh, I was just going to say hello. <laughs> okay. Hello. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> it's no wonder no one's nominated this program. It's not. You it's know been, what? It's been a long three-day weekend. Oh, man. A two-day week. Oh, two-day. I'm sorry. Monday was a holiday. Oh, you know what? That's right. I did too much on Monday. It's tired me out for the week. That's right. The, the two shows we did were just instead of grueling. Uh, it's the Thursday email show brought to you by... Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan. Yeah, as well as uh, EVNet, AaronVentures.com, Architect.com, and our title sponsor for Thursday's email show, Palma Pasta. Four locations in Oakville, three in Mississauga, featuring their signature stores, Palma Kitchen. Let me say that again. Their signature store, Palma's Kitchen. You know, we've both been there. It's just simply Italian tradition, great food, service, by the way. You can get uh, catering there. And if you can't get to one of their locations, you can, if you want to, order online at palmapasta.com. Over 38 years of delivering delicious quality Italian. I'm sorry, did you want to just jump in? Just give me a just let me finish this by saying, proud sponsor of the Thursday email show, palmapasta.com. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm fine. I must have breathed in or something. Mm. I don't guys. like it when you breathe. I don't, I don't like it when Please you breathe. Please don't breathe. breathe. <laughs> I don't. I don't like it when you breathe in too much because it makes me think you're about to say something profound. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to miss it. Um, our buddy here, uh, Greg Gerardi. Okay. Uh, 15 Minute Cities Conspiracies was his subject line, and we appreciate it. It's a very lengthy, lengthy email about the concept of the 15 minute, uh, 15 minute, 15 minute city. We had talked about it on the show where everybody's life would be within 15 minutes, and it was reduced traffic and congestion and. All that kind of thing. And the, we had talked about the conspiracy theorists all over thinking somehow this is to trample on your freedoms. Anyway, Greg goes on. And again, thank you. Quite lengthy. Put some time into this. Just basically the people that scream about their freedom. Actually, that attitude um, sometimes affects their freedom mm-hmm. because you're afraid of everything. You're intimidated by everything. Well- I mean, I think that's a good point. It comes down to the reason the reason people are worried about their freedoms getting taken away from them, either real or imagined, boils down to uh, the fear of change, of any kind of change. And as soon as change is on the horizon, even if the change ultimately might benefit the greater good, they yell freedoms being taken away because they don't want to learn it. You know, I said this to you a couple weeks ago. Like, I'm not really interested in delving into the world of AI, but at some point I'm going to have to. But part mm-hmm. of it is just a reticence based on, I don't know, I'm just a, I'm not, not fear so much. It's just more new shit. Um, Greg's 
last line, I'll read it to you. Objectors often believe that change is to rob them of their freedom. Their thinking and behavior is what is actually robbing them of their freedom. So, again, thanks, Greg. Mm. Thank you, Greg. Very interesting and profound. Um, I don't don't want to get too much into this because I do think it would be a good bit on the show, and I've been saving it for a couple weeks. This is from somebody named Carlson Donahue. Carlson Donahue says, hey, Howard, uh, this email is for you. I am flirting with the idea of stand-up. Attached is a PDF of some jokes I have written. I just wanted a professional opinion. Love the show. Just recently turned my brother on to you guys. Loves you too now as well. Feel free to read some of these on the air if you think they're good enough. Sincerely, (laughs) sucking on it. So, and not, you know, he's taken a lot of time. And this is a long, this is a nine-page PDF document. And I want to. I'm going to just give you a couple of them. Have you looked at any of these? Yeah, a few of them. Yeah, and uh, I stole a few. <laughs> I've wondered why you've been so very clever the last couple of months. Why is he so clever? Um, here's here's one of his jokes. Here's one of Carlson's jokes. Anybody here use step ladders? I love step ladders. Shout out to step ladders if you have one. Step ladders mean a lot to me because growing up, I never knew my real ladder. <laughs> if only he could have been there for us, maybe Stepstool wouldn't have lo- wouldn't have lost in the fire, wouldn't have been lost in the fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a, one of his jokes. Uh, another one. What would, did you want to comment it's on? It's all that? about the presentation too, I guess. Eh? The the moment and the yeah. delivery. Yeah. Well, let me let me come back to that joke, and I'll tell you what what a lot that of sounds like a dad joke actually. Here's the problem. I'll tell you what the problem with that joke and a lot of his jokes are in a second. I'll give you another one. He says, hey, we all look back upon the pussycat dolls fondly, but no one talks about the crippling meow mix addiction that nearly took all 54 lives. Because there, I guess, were, you know, what what is a bunch of much work? Yeah, a lot of work work. and Mm -hmm. 54 lives because there there would be that would be the number of lives and the, the women in the pussycat dolls times nine. So mm-hmm. I guess I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, you know, since the beginning of civilization, his next joke says, and since the beginning of civilization, people have never been satisfied with anything. Like, you was just fine. Then we need to double you? Does it say what his regular job? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the problem. <laughs> Okay, yeah, analyze. Well, it's another one. He goes, I think someone needs to start looking into Giovanni Rabisi. Guy looks shifty as fuck. I'm just saying. See, here's the thing with a lot of new comedians. And I've had this discussion with uh, Spencer, who's done stand-up now like 10 times. Spencer's gone on stage and, Mm -hmm. and has a good facility for it, my daughter Spencer. But I always say the same thing. What's the premise? Because if you're not sure what the premise is, how can you make a, a fun of something or make a joke about something if people aren't sure why or what you're talking about? In the first joke, he says, okay, anyone here use stepladders? Okay, that's, that's actually the clearest one because instantly we know the premise is stepladders. I mean, and it's, I think, a decent joke. 
I mean, he, the problem is I would say, I, you know, he says, anyone here have a stepladder? I love stepladders. Then he goes, shout out. Just st- All he has to say is, you know, stepladders meant a lot to me because growing up, I never knew my real ladder. That's actually my favorite joke of his. Because you get that he's talking about stepladders and then the joke is kind of cute. The... You know, the pussycat dolls and, and a lot of the other ones, the, the premises are so vague. There, It's just hard to find the humor in it. <laughs> so, anyway, there's a lot more. Poor there's, guy. He's going to hear this and, like, feel bad. Well, I would hope not. I think that's good advice. Well, you no, know, he, know. he'll feel it's bad right. because of your cruel comment. What was that? <laughs> fucking already what's forgot his what's his job maybe his, what's his day job i'm the one giving him constructive criticism you're like yeah you fucking day job stay keep your day yeah. job but you see what's happening here you're the professional comedian so you're giving him that good solid advice through critique i'm just a dick who's trying to be funny on the side <laughs> to you but I'm, and, I'm, no, and I'm no funnier than he is. <laughs> no, no, you have is very funny. Here's the joke of his. The world is my oyster. And the world is my oyster and also a vampire. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Oh, the world is a vampire. Okay, the world is a vampire. Okay. See, again, if you have to struggle work. a lot of... The, the bottom line is this. If you have to struggle that hard to find the premise, then is it really worth doing the joke? But uh, I'll tell you what, brave guy. If he wants to do stand up, good for him. Carlson, thanks very Hi much guys. for uh, checking Hi in with guys. us. Hey, buddy, you need a rewrite, hey? So rewrite and send it back to Howard. Well, okay. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to read some of those on the uh, main show. Carlson Donahue. Who knows? Maybe this will be the beginning of a huge career for Carlson. Over to you, Friedrich. Uh, Justin Devarn is how you uh, pronounce his name. Justin Devarn. It's uh, subject matter Trump. Again, I must recommend. Hey, guys, I've thrown this out before, but I really think you should give Mindfuck a read. It's a great book on how Trump came to power via weaponizing AI and marketing and social media to get him in. Uh, uh, so many more characters and stuff involved in the book. Again, it's a great read. Let's just hope that some of uh, this band of characters kicks the bucket before the next election. Maybe an OD, uh, a diaper situation where he shits himself on TV and it ruins his cred. Uh, that's from Justin uh, Hundy P since 2013. Well, that's the thing is like if he actually did shit himself on TV. Mm-hmm. Half his audience wouldn't believe it. They'd say, well, I was fake. That was deep fake. Oh, no, exactly. That's somebody else's diaper. Uh, yeah, that's Joe Biden's diaper. Mm-hmm. He would literally have to shit himself, pull down his pants, mm-hmm. take the diaper, rub it all over himself, mm-hmm. and then say, it's me, Trump, <laughs> diaper man. Mm-hmm. And even then, they wouldn't believe it. Hi, guys. This comes Hi, from uh, Scott Shields. Hi. Very long email. Uh, we were talking about airline pilot pay. A lot of stuff in the news. WestJet averted a strike uh, last week at the last minute. Lots of stories about what pilots make. He said, Howard, apologize. Apologies for the longer email. And no need to read it on the air. But as a airline pilot with over 6,000 hours who actually left flying to pursue a different career, I see the issue as just not pay, but experience. And he goes on to talk about how how inexperienced some of the pilots were. He said, you know, these, uh, I was talking about this Buffalo crash, and he said, you know, 
a lot of airlines now have agreements with colleges and university aviation programs where upon graduation, these pilots are going straight from a Cessna 172, which is what I was flying, and a 177, to the right seat of a, th- a 737 with as few as 300 hours. I had close to 700 hours. Um, and he goes on to talk about the industry. You know, there was a lot of talk about how much they make. Some of the more experienced pilots were making real money, two and $300,000. The problem is some of the new ones, the, the starting pay, as he points out, still around $40,000 living in big cities like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. And he goes, uh, I could go on for hours and hours. I know a lot of pilots have left the airline industry since the pandemic ended. I know you hate long emails. I'll leave it with this thought. Next time you fly as a passenger on a Canadian regional airline like Air Canada Jazz or WestJet Encore, the total hours of both pilots might not even be 2,000 hours combined. And the last airplane the first officer flew could have been the same Cessna you learned to fly on in Brampton. And then he goes on to wish me good luck in a golf tournament that I did not attend. So, uh, thanks very much to Scott Shields. It's all, I don't, you know, you don't find it fascinating that we have like these type of high level people listening to us and taking, yes. and you know, the, the, the guy who's just people that have taken time, considerate, uh, and are considering our program. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Hi guys. <laughs> Hi guys. Hi guys. Okay. Hi guys. Uh, Radic Julowitz uh, writes, just enough filler, because we had um, been joking on the show some time ago, uh, the show is just mostly filler. And weather. I forget it. Filler and weather and poo. Filler and weather. (laughs) That's our our law office. Filler and weather and poo. Anyway, he writes to uh, Apple Podcasts, a review. Humble and Fred's podcast is a perfect blend of killer content and filler, uh, keeping me engaged since the days when Pluto was a planet. As an Etobicoke resident, uh, their discussions hit close to home, making it one of my top picks. Keep mm-hmm. up the great work and keep us filled in. May the gourds be dot, 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 dot. How many stars Thank do you give Thank you, hmm? What's his name? Radic. How many stars do you give us? Oh, five. Ooh, five-star review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really helps us. Dan started doing that a few months ago on the Extra, but it really does because it, it moves us up. In the Apple iTunes rankings, which is good for us and good for our sponsors. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, this comes uh, from our good friend and dude, a brother, Bill. Hey, Howard, during your interview with our pal Ivor, talking about the Chinkuzi High School reunion, you asked if there would be any finger banging. Mm-hmm. You didn't like that question, did you, Mr. Fred? You thought that was too much. Oh, way beyond, way beyond. Let me tell you, my dear friend, not only was there a lot of FB going on, there was a club for finger bangers and bangees. This is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, pal, it was a lot more fun being the banger than the bangee. Brother Bill, very clever. He signs it B, resting heart rate 72, comfortable stool, <laughs> regular movements, courtesy of a daily dose of Metamucil, <laughs> which we endorse on this program. How would a fellow be a bangy? Well, what some, am I missing there? Somebody more fun to be the banger than the bangy. I guess somebody fingers up your bum. <laughs> I was, this is where I was going. 
Jeez, what's he been up to? He went to Chinguzi. Maybe that's what happened. It was a Chinguzi thing. A dumb, maybe that was a double banger when you're banging and getting banged. Right in Hi his uh, Chinkoo's hole. Hi, <laughs> guys. Hi, guys. That's Hi it. Guys. Like the Cirque du Soleil. Coos. Hi, guys. Email. Uh, this is from our buddy Mike Hannafin. He talks about Mo Norman. Mm. Like, uh we talked about on the show not long ago, Mo, Mo Norman. I, I had asked you what was his ailment, and you said he it was like Asperger's. Or well, somewhere on the spectrum. All, you know. Yeah. He was definitely a bit autistic. He says, hi, gents. Heard you talking about Mo Norman. I had the experience of caddying for my uncle, uh, Mickey Badden, uh, former amateur, Quebec amateur champion and former Canadian super uh, seniors champ. He's now 80. Uh, they were in the same group as Mo Norman in the final round of the 76 Quebec Open. Mo was memori- uh, mesmerizing, no caddy, carried his own clubs, nonstop chatter, uh, except when somebody else was hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, pipeline, Mo never missed a fairway that round, uh, carried his own clubs, uh, as they say, walked down the fairway, bouncing a ball off the blade of his club. It, and I, th- there was a documentary on Mo, right? Not I yet. Think it's, it's, still- it's being produced. Oh, it's still oh, it's being produced. Yeah, big time American producer. I can't remember the name of the guy, but he you'd you'd recognize him. Very very famous. And uh, drank a steady supply of Coca Cola, maybe ten yeah. classic small bottles over eighteen holes. Yeah, yeah. Famous for teeing up a ball on the top of a Coke bottle on the range, hitting the ball without moving the bottle, let alone breaking it, yeah. or teeing the ball up on a pencil. But he couldn't do that in a tournament. He uh, play. He holds like something like one like sixty tournaments, like Canadian tournaments. One holds the course record at like twenty five courses around the country, and mm-hmm. universally on the earth, there are three or four names that get thrown around as the, one of the best ball strikers mm-hmm. ever. And Canadian Mo Norman is one of them. Like Ben Hogan. Like, so when people talk about the best ever as far as hitting a golf ball, there's Ben Hogan, Lee Trevino, and two Canadians. Mo Norman and a guy named George Knudsen, who sadly passed away way too young. Like his early 50s had some uh, major smoking cancer going. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> that's too bad. Well, thanks. Uh, that's Hannafin. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah an experience he had with the great Mo Norman. Hannah Man. Hi, guys. Hannah Man. Hi guys. Well, my partner Hi on the golf podcast wrote uh, a book, wrote the book on Mo Norman called uh, The Feeling of Greatness, Tim O'Connor. Another one of my buddies writes here, uh, David White, the subject matter, batteries and boats and airplanes. Mm. Said, hi, guys, heard you talking on the show about why airplanes and boats don't have the adoption of electrical power, haven't adopted electric power compared to cars and we had our buddy from uh what's the marine called uh, you know the west oak marines out in uh mm-hmm. out in bc answer the boat he said the answer's in but dave's super nerd the answer's in two parts the first is weight the additional weight of the batteries in a car doesn't have as profound an effect on the performance as it does on a plane or boat that's because once you've accelerated the weight to speed in a car, it doesn't take any more energy to keep it at that speed. However, in a boat or airplane, the more it weighs, the more energy used to maintain the speed. Mm-hmm. And you had we had talked you had that email, I think, where he was talking about, you know, it takes a certain amount of energy to get the boat out of the bo- out of the water, keep the bow out of the water, planing. Well, it's constant push. Constant push. And as soon as mm-hmm. you take away the energy, 
the bow drops. Well, the same in an airplane. You basically right. go full power to get the thing off the ground. It's only at altitude. Well, you start to pull the power back at some point. But climb power in an airplane is full power. Mm-hmm. So you've got this battery that's going to be working so hard to keep it at that speed. Yeah, at cruise, you're not at full power. but yeah, And air, airplanes, you know. Yeah, airplanes. Yeah. They, uh, you know, in a car with the wheel, right? That's why it works. Well, on a boat, if you if you, no push. if you yeah. drop the power in a boat, okay. Well, so sorry, kids, the yeah. tube ride's over. Uh, uh-huh. do, you, do you have any left? Are you done? Yes, one more here. Oh, beautiful. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. Um, Brian Barnett from our mo- most recent show, we were talking, uh, I had made the point of seeing someone uh, in front of me at a red light, a big puff of smoke come out of their car, and it was obviously marijuana. I could smell it. And then I asked the question, is that illegal? And then the uh, conversation drifted into, you know, what is impaired? Um, Have we driven impaired before? We all admittedly have sometime over our life. And then we were talking about the alcohol level and when it becomes a crime or a suspension. And um, here's what he uh, replies with. First time, three-day immediate license suspension and a $250 um, penalty. That's for, let me just go back here. That is for anything from 0.05 to 0.079, okay? What are you saying? That's, that's what you could get, or that's, what, that's their discretion? Yeah, zero, yeah, 0.05 to 0.079, three-day immediate license suspension, because remember I said, um, you know, point zero eight. There was consequences before that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's what the second time seven day immediate license suspension, education or treatment program, three hundred fifty dollar penalty. Third time thirty day immediate license suspension, education or um, treatment program, which seems a bit late to me third time i mean really come on no but i understand what do you, i thought you were allowed to drive up to 0.08 no you're not no you're not there's that 0.08 is i think it's a it it's a crime you know what i mean you are you lose your license for a year and you know and your insurance is screwed up and all this i imagine it would be under the, uh these hmm this field sobriety test as well um but again we'll look into this more any mm, again, zero five to point zero seven nine these are the consequences right not as bad it's almost like you know the street racing thing they can take your car immediately ten thousand dollar fine and all that uh this again this is just inching up to point zero eight which becomes a serious crime. Okay, well, more discussion is needed, and thanks to everyone that um, wrote in today. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, this Thursday show, of course, have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Humble and Fred long weekend, and we'll see you guys back on Monday. The email show is brought to you by... Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, architect.com, and our title sponsor that brings you the delicious pasta and the emails, palmapasta.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Humble. He's Fred. Goodbye.
station A little up the road from the habitations in the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh